0: Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Dr. Kirk Moore. He is currently facing federal charges because he was trying to help people in this current situation where they did not want to take experimental drugs and uh, he he was helping them out. So we're going to learn more about him standing up for them and uh, what is going on. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks for having me, Courtney.
0: So can you give uh, my audience a little bit of a background of uh, what you do and how you found yourself in this position? (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, so it's kind of by happenstance. I'm a plastic surgeon. I don't normally do vaccines. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, but I started in 2020 um, kind of believing the narrative, believing that this thing was, you know something to be worried about, something to be scared of. Uh, You know, I didn't have the time to study or, you know, look things up or read about anything. And so in the middle of March, about 11th, March 11th, I think I shut my office down. And uh, then sometime around the 16th or 17th, the government shut us down. But in that six day period from the time I came home one day from surgery and said, hey, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. Um, I had nothing but time to sit and read and study and kind of wrap my head around what was going on. And by the time they shut us down, I was already on the other side. So I'd done a full 180 by, you know, March 17th. Um, And I'm already a skeptic of the government anyway. And so and then when I started reading about all this stuff and then they, you know, then everything just started, you know, they, well, this medication doesn't work and then they started taking it off the shelves. And then, you know, this, you know, started, you know, I, I started talking about hydroxychloroquine um, and then later Ivermectin, um, you know, I I've used hydroxychloroquine. I've been on three humanitarian trips to Africa and I've prescribed it and used it and um, for hundreds of people. And, and I knew what the effects were and what the side effects were and, um, so I knew that everything that they were saying was just wrong. Um mm-hmm. and uh I, I first I didn't know what the reasons were, um, mm-hmm. but I've since come around to understand, I think, a little bit more. Um but in that time frame I also started treating people because I was pretty vocal about um my stance against you know the early treatment. Um it flabbergasted me that we had a medical community and our medical quote unquote experts that were telling people that we don't treat people early. We just wait till they're on death's door and then we ventilate them, give them rendesivir and 85% of them die. Um, so you're just SOL. Um, so I started treating people. Um, and so people, friends, neighbors, my patients, my family, everybody started finding out that I was treating people and I treated some pretty sick people. Um, took them out of hospitals, brought them home. I was doing house calls, you know, I was back like in 1950s. Again, I'm a family practice doc doing house calls Um, and going there and starting people on IVs and giving them medications by high dose vitamin C, high dose steroids, uh, you know, along with uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, azithromax, um, you know, ivermectin, whatever the you know, whatever it was, budesonide you know, the, the whole, the whole shooting match, everything that was there and, um, and finding protocols and routines that were working for me along with the ones that were published by, uh, you know, Zeb Zelenko and, uh, a little bit later, the, um, FLCCC. Um, so I, I just, I just kind of like came full circle and started treating people. Um, and then in early 21, when the vaccines came out, um, I you know I just became a vaccine clinic to provide the vaccine services for my clients um, and I treated uh, about uh nineteen hundred and thirty seven people I think according to the federal government um with uh saline shots and gave them vaccine cards and then in January, they claimed that um I was giving people saline shots uh and fraudulently you know kind of uh counterfeiting the cards and so they indicted me for 1,937 counts of fraud um and counterfeiting
2: wow so, yeah. wow
0: unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> well I I was so many questions here I I think my first question is like what was the responses of uh you know, the the people, when they found out that you were doing this, the patients who you worked with, uh, what was, you know, that time before we get to the, you know, the charges? Uh, I'm curious just about that
1: experience. Oh, you mean the patients that I was treating? Yeah. Well, I was busier, you know, I was almost busier treating people with COVID than I was taking care of my own patients. So I was trying to uh-huh. run a, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon by trade. Sure. So I'm trying to, you know, run my practice. But, you know, um, getting all these phone calls from all these people that are sick or want their mom to be treated or dead, or somebody's in a nursing home or even younger people, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. who's, you know, who's 18, 19 year old son is pretty sick, but you know, the urgent care center sent him home and said that there's nothing that we can do. Um, and so that's, you know, that's what was keeping me going and, you know, I didn't charge a dime for any of it. I didn't charge Mm -hmm. anybody. I didn't bill anybody's insurance. Um, I was seeing people in my office. I was seeing people just outside my gate and just in, in my driveway and people pulling in and, um, you know, everything. I mean, and I was oh. doing telemedicine,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: just calling in prescriptions, taking histories over the phone and calling in medicines. And, uh, oh. you know, it's just it was a 24-7 job.
0: Sure. I can imagine. And then what about uh, the people who you gave these uh, salines and the the cards Um, and did a lot of people know, like, how did people find out and what was that process and experience like?
1: Well, again, you know, I became a clinic because, you know, the government was saying that we were going to have all these people that needed to have these vaccines and they were going to have this backlog and, you know, the more clinics and the more locations that people have to have access to it, the better off they're going to be. Um, and so I signed up and became a clinic in April, May of 2021, um, and it was just word of mouth. I didn't advertise anything. I just, right. you know, it was, it was patients and friends and family, people that knew um, that I was taking care of people with COVID. And um, and so they, you know, they came to me uh, for for their vaccinations.
0: And how, how did that start? Like, did you offer it or did people ask? Or, I mean, how did that even come about?
1: Uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm on, you know. When I mean, it's a pretty a vaccine, bold
0: move, right? So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, well, so when you become a vaccine clinic you become actually you're you're actually seen on the state website or a federal website I guess they had some sort of you know site where people would go where can I get my vaccine and they you know look that up. Right. But it was just it was just patients and friends and family. So um I would let people know that you know we are providing vaccine services to our clients and then they would let their friends and family and everybody else know.
2: So, so so did they how,
0: they know that they were getting uh saline or
1: well, that's where I'll have to, you know, I I will tell you that um everybody was treated with full informed consent. So, okay. you know, they everybody that came in um, was given informed consent about what the process was and what the treatment regimen was um and they approved what and what they ended up getting.
0: Okay. I yeah, so I guess I, I obviously since I knew the the case is pending so you can, you know, share with whatever you can share and whatever you can, you know, I I understand. Uh, but I guess I'm just curious about like the decisions that were involved, like what made you decide to, I know you said that you did some research and so you, were, you now had a full awareness of what was going on and so you were no longer supporting um, the injection. So, but what made you decide to use the saline and to give out cards?
1: Well, again, um, I have to be careful with what, mm-hmm. you know, sure. with what I say. Um, you know, I had um, all my patients came to me um, in more or less in dire straits. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they were looking for uh, an ability to maintain their job. They were looking for the ability to go see their family in, mm-hmm. in nursing homes or hospitals. Um, I had a number of people that, you know, were military that were, you know, trying to stay in the military. Um, I had a number of people that were actually on transplant lists or wanted to get on a transplant list for kidneys or liver transplants. Um, and so, uh, and, and the big impetus, you know, in the summer of 21 was, uh, kids going back to school. Um, and so. Uh, there were a lot of families that were you know looking for an you know and an ability to have you know to allow their kids to go back to school so um so they would they would come we would have a discussion about what you know what the process was and um and that they you know agreed with you know the treatment regimen that we came up with my my you know my my underlying philosophy in life is um to you know, to do the right thing. Um, and secondly, you know, based upon my oath that I took back in 1989, uh, to first do no harm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have to abide by that. Um, and then again, the, you know, the, just the ethical, um, foundation of our practice and the practice of medicine in general is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, the ethics of, uh, you know, require us, you know, there, there's require us to first do no harm. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. and to do what the patient wants, um, after, after that full informed consent, um, the, you know, we have to not do anything that's going to hurt them, um, and, and, and refuse to do something that is going to hurt them.
2: Um,
1: and so that's kind of the you know the the foundation the philosophical foundation upon which you know i i kind of um practice medicine in general um and uh you know whether it's plastic surgery or family practice or covid treatments
0: sure absolutely um yeah i i think that that should be across the board <laughs> that 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 <laughs> should go without saying right uh um, it should <laughs> so- so what are your thoughts about what's in the, uh, the vaccine, the results that are coming out now, what we're seeing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I was just, I read about this stuff every day. Obviously I have a distinct interest in it. Um, <laughs> and an article, just, an article just came across, uh, just this morning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, it was talking about this, you know, um, in these 55,000 documents that just came out, uh, ALC, 0315 is an ingredient that is in the Pfizer vaccine um and it's in the there's called a material safety data sheet the MSDS of any product that's you know out there they all have these you know material safety data sheets that come that are required by law um and the MSDS for this ALC0315 um, which is, you know, just has a number attached to it. It doesn't even have a name. Um says, not for this product is for research use, not for human use or veterinary diagnostic or therapeutic use. Okay. Um, it may cause anemia, cough, CNS depression, which is mental, you know, central nervous system depression, drowsiness, headache, heart damage, uh, weakness, exhaustion, liver damage, narcosis, uh, which is excessive sleeping. Um, reproductive effects teratogen- teratogenic, which means birth defects, um, and yet it's listed as one of the products that's in the Pfizer vaccine so that's just an article that um, that just came out today it's an article by Jeff Prager um, oh. and uh, you know there's everything that's in here you know and that's the struggle, right? They give us a product to inject, and then they give you a uh, Safety data sheet that comes with it, and right. it's one of those little, it you know it's two by three inches, and it's just multiply folded, and you have to unwrap the whole thing, and you unwrap the whole thing, and it's just two foot by three foot poster piece of paper, um, right. and it says and it says right on it, um, intentionally left blank. So that was that's the product insert that we got in our in our vaccines for two years.
0: Wow. Wow. And is that so, typical?
1: No, mm-hmm. no, right. no. Um, the product, the, the product safety sheet that they put in for the hep B vaccine that they give to newborn babies. Right. You know, has, you know, has it in there. It says, hey, this was studied and this was done and everything else. Um, and this is the this is the biologic makeup of it. This is the formula. This is how it's done. This is what the side effects are. Um. You know, th- this is how you inject it. This is what you provide, th- you know, gave you all of that. right? Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, the funny, the, the aside to that is, is that it also says in there um, that this product is safe because it was studied and followed for four days after injection. Um, for four days? And four days.
0: And that makes it perfectly yeah. safe and effective. Okay.
1: Right. And that's, that's, and it says that it's written in writing. So, Interesting, right? So yeah. you find out all kinds of things once you start going down this so road. So if
0: something happens 10, 20, 30 years later, you know, then...
1: Yeah, it's not related to the vaccine. I Can't see. possibly... Re-
2: Even if it was two weeks
0: it later, it couldn't be.
1: Right. right. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's unbelievable. Have your thoughts about uh, other vaccines changed since uh, this the recent um,
1: uh, uh, yes. Um, I would not recommend a vaccine for anybody ever at this point. Any vaccine? Yeah. And specifically not the COVID vaccine.
0: Yeah. Can you expound on that? I uh, I'll just say before you do that uh, I always say that nobody and and I should qualify it's so probably not there might be somebody. But I've yet to meet anybody who does extensive research on vaccines and comes back like pro-vax. You know, yeah. most people just haven't, uh, and even doctors really—they've been—they've right. been told, but they haven't. Yeah, so maybe you can talk about uh, a little about
1: that. Yeah. So um, I mean, I'm I'm always a little skeptical, but I I vaccinated my daughter through age two. I didn't vaccinate my son. Mm-hmm. Um, she's twenty. He's fifteen. So it's been a while. Right. Um, And uh but but now I'm adamant, you know, that I would just I would never give a vaccine to any of these, you know, any kids ever again. And again, Mm -hmm. that's me personally. Um but but there's the reality of um vaccines is there's never been a randomized placebo saline placebo controlled study on any vaccines ever.
2: Right.
1: Not since, you know, not since the early nineteen hundreds, not since you know, when and in, in late 1800s with, with the smallpox uh, or the late the smallpox dates all the way back to the late 1700s. But, sure. um, you know, it's but there's never been a study that's been done on a, any vaccine that has used a saline placebo. You know, their their placebo or their controlled side is kind of like the, the 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 Prevnar 13 was compared against the Prevnar 7. Mm-hmm. Um, and they saw no significant difference. And so therefore, Prevnar 13 is just is safe. Um, or they'll do a placebo where they'll give, um, the, the antigen, which is the product that you're trying to vaccinate people or, or get immunized people against. Um, Mm -hmm. and they'll give it to, and it has all of these other ingredients in it, just like the one that I just told you about, you know, this ALC 0315, but, you know, formaldehyde, aluminum, um, you know, bovine serum, whatever it is, right. Um, whatever the mixture happens to be. So Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do that with the antigen Mm -hmm. and then their control group will be, they'll give just that without the antigen and they'll say, well, there's no difference between these two. And so therefore it's safe. Um, you know, in the meantime, the baseline, you know, effects that they've had against, you know, against people not being vaccinated, you know, is, um, is never looked at and never compared. Um, I've lost friends, I've lost colleagues. I, you know, and people that just, again, don't, they just believe, you know, they, they believe what they're told. Um, and you know, we had a total of maybe four hours of vaccines when I was in training back in the late eighties, early Mm nineties. Um, and you know, vaccines here, vaccines are safe and, you know these are the vaccines that we give and you know don't worry about it uh, they've been studied so you know just you know when you when you get into your pediatric rotation and when you talk to your fan, friends and family just make sure you let them know that they're safe um that was it um but you're right when you get people that do the studies and look into it and do their own research um it's uh you you can't come away um and believe that they're safe you just can't
0: yeah yeah unfortunately that that seems to be the consensus what was the decision in you said your daughter do- you did uh, vaccinate your daughter but you did not vaccinate your son was there something that happened in between that was-
1: <laughs> yeah um well so I was uh I was married at the time and my uh we so we had two miscarriages in between our two kids. That's why there's a five year difference. Um, but uh, when she was pregnant, when she was pregnant with um, the first uh, miscarriage, uh, we were worried about having a boy because the numbers in boys were significantly higher for, um, you know, autism spectrum diseases, um, and the numbers were climbing. When I was a kid. Uh, The numbers were, you know, one ten thousand one hundred thousand and literally the colloquial one in a million chance of having a complication from a vaccine that people still use now. Um, And uh, so we were very, you know, attuned to it. She was a nurse um, and, um, you know, and was worried about it. So we just at that point decided Uh, Let's do some more research. And so we really started researching this. So we're talking 2000, um, uh, 2005 ish timeframe. My daughter was born in 2003. So yeah, 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. Um, I was already skeptical. I had gotten shingles from my hepatitis vaccine when I started um, medical school. So I got my, I got my one shot, one shot of hepatitis. And then about, that was in my left shoulder and about, oh, 24 hours later, I got shingles in my armpit, you know, there's big splotchy of shingles there in my armpit.
2: Wow. Um,
1: and so that was my, that was like my last voluntary shot. Um, I got my, I had to get a yellow fever shot to go to Africa, but that was, that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never had a flu shot. Um, so I was skeptical of it you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, dating all the way back to 89. But I really, again, I'm just, I'm busy doing my job. I, you know, pay that much attention. Um, the narrative is, is that they're safe and effective. So I never really questioned it with my daughter. Um, and then, uh, but then we did. And so that's why, so when she was turning two, we were pregnant, um, and we were worried about having a boy. We didn't know cause we didn't get the ultrasound. Um, but, um, And then, like I said, she had a miscarriage anyway, but that started that conversation. And so then Mm -hmm. when my son was finally born, um, in, uh, 2007, um, we were just like, no, we're not, we're not doing it. So, Mm -hmm. and it was a battle. It was a battle. So, um, and we, at the time it wasn't that hard to find pediatricians and, and family practice docs that were willing to kind of either forego vaccines or anything. Now it seems like you're either in you're, you know, full in or you're full out and 95% of the docs are full in. And so finding that one, uh, you know, we, I've had people ask me that all the time, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, about a pediatrician and the the ones that I know about are, they, they can't even take new patients. They're so busy.
0: Yeah, uh, I've heard that a lot, actually. Um, my sister just recently had a baby and they were saying that it, it's really hard to find a doctor who will see um, to see the kid without having all the shots. So that's been definitely troubling. Yeah, yeah.
1: it starts and it starts in the hospital, you know. I mean, right? Yeah. Starts, you know, your baby is born. They want to give him vitamin K and, and, and have B shot right there, you know, yeah. within hours of being born. Yeah. And so if you're not, if you're not careful though, just do it. Assuming that you're, you know, that assuming that you're okay with it.
0: Yeah. And what are your thoughts on the vitamin K shot?
1: You know, I don't know that much about it, um, Mm -hmm. but I'm again, against, I'm against all shots. Um, and you know, it just, until they do through scientific placebo, saline placebo controlled studies, I, you know, my, my thought on, on any shots, um, is you know is a no go,
0: right? I, I guess I have a question on one other one. The 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 other one that I, that I think some people question is uh, the tetanus shot.
1: Yeah, I haven't had a tetanus shot since I was a kid. Okay, um, and I just I, same thing. Sorry, I'm, mm-hmm. I sound like a broken record, but no, I'm not that's fine. I you know I just I'm not going to take any shot. I'm not going to give anybody any shots until I have some, you know, some some true safety. Uh, and efficacy and and efficacy studies on you know on mm-hmm. the vaccine does it really does it really make a difference or not so, right
0: so when you were in medical school is this do, do you have training on vaccine did they teach you about the history of vaccines
1: no 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 it's all it's all everything and i think every doc that you'll talk to and everybody who's out there will tell you the same story you know sure. we were Given a few hours worth of training that just says, here are the vaccines. This is, you know, this is what they treat. It treats this virus. This virus does this. Um, And then, you know, uh, this is the vaccine that that helps it and um, it helped eradicate it. And so now we no longer have smallpox. We no longer have polio. We, you know, measles is gone. You know, you don't hear anybody else, you know, having mumps because of the vaccines. That's what they, you know, that's the narrative that they tell you. Um, And because it's coming from a position of authority coming from your professors you're so overwhelmed by the amount of knowledge that and, and amount of studying that you have and everything else you just you don't have the time to go into each individual aspect of your training and try to you know educate yourself fully on you know on the truth or our falsity of their you know uh, of their statements so you just believe them Just like a lot of people believe, you know, the CDC and FDA and everything else, uh, you know. um, I never in uh, up until 2020, I mean, I've been in practice since 2001. So 19 years, I'd never been to the CDC website ever for any reason. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not going to the CDC or FDA and asking them how to take care of my patients. I talk to my friends, colleagues, read articles, read journals, you know, textbooks You know, those kinds of things. I'm not listening to, you know, some guy who, you know, who's a bureaucrat somewhere to tell me how to take care of medicine. And I thought most docs were like that. And obviously they're not, you know, Uh, everybody here just kind of fell in line. It was really, really kind of, really kind of scary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that those people who fell in line and, you know, really followed the CDC, do you think prior to 2020 they had been Uh, following the CDC? Were they super versed in the CDC? I don't feel like most people were really, uh, you know, paying attention to the CDC before the media made a big deal.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I think that a lot of them are predisposed to following those recommendations alone. I mean, the pediatricians and OBGYNs Mm -hmm. and family practice docs and, you know, primary care docs that were already out there were already following the CDC right. recommendations on vaccines, the CDC recommendations on uh, you know on precautions and you know on all kinds of stuff. But um, so they're already predisposed to doing that. But I don't know. I don't think that on a day to day basis anybody was doing that. Um, but all of a sudden, the CDC and FDA they just became you know just full on media driven experts in in every disease that's out there, including COVID. And so now you've got to listen to what they say. And if you don't, then you're a pariah and we're going to, you know, rake you over the coals and you are going to be an anti-vaxxer and you are going to be an anti-science person and you don't know what you're talking about. We're going to cancel you. Um, so. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, it's really scary how quickly this all happened and, um, and how, uh, I I, and how I feel the practice of medicine has, you know, kind of transitioned over the last three years.
0: Or what are your thoughts on uh, you don't talk about the the specifics, but how are you feeling about the decisions you've made, the charges that are coming up against you? Um, I like just emotionally. How's your family feeling? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. well, it's obviously a very emotional time for us, but sure. um, I, don't, um, I don't, I don't, I'll speak for myself, but sure. I think I speak for my staff because two of them were uh, also indicted mm-hmm. um, as well as one of my neighbors. Um, we don't have, again, I'll just say from my perspective, sure. uh, I, okay, um, I don't have any regrets. Okay. I, I took care of my patients the way they needed to be taken care of. Um okay. They were fully informed according to what the information was that was out there. Um, and the treatment regimen that we uh, came up with was something that that both of us agreed to. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, it's just part of the ethics of medicine. Um, and it's just part of the ethics of being a human being in terms of, in my opinion. Um, you know, there's there's not that much different than, you know, where we... You know where we are as physicians physicians we're still humans we still make mistakes we're you know we're not we're we're, uh, you know we're no better I mean people put us on a pedestal to some degree um because of our knowledge and because of what we know and our expertise and something but we do that with everybody you know you you put Mm -hmm. your teacher on a pedestal because of who they are you put your parents on a pedestal for who they are or at least you should Mm -hmm. um And so, you know, I I just, and I think that that was in large measure to some degree well deserved until 2020
2: Mm and
1: 2021. And then in 21 um, and and middle of 2020, when people refused to treat people um, in 21, when people just kind of went along with the the safe and effective narrative um, and perpetuated that narrative for, you know, the last three years and continue to perpetuate it now without questioning it at all. Um, you know, that's, uh, to me, it's a travesty. And I think we've lost a lot in terms of the, um, the layperson's opinion of their physicians. There, there more people now are more likely to go out and, um, and do their own research and look up things rather than uh, accepting my opinion. And I, and I'm happy about that. I, I tell mm-hmm. my patients all the time, you know, they come in for breast augmentation or something, then, you know. Go, go talk to other surgeons and see what they think. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. offended by it. It doesn't bother me. I've always said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the same way with any other application and any other thing. When I treat somebody with medicine and I did it with COVID and I did it with, mm-hmm. you know, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. and steroids and the whole thing. I said, you know, this is, this is how I've been treating it. I'm not an expert in it, but this is what I've been reading. And this is what I've been understanding is what is helping people. Um, I probably treated 800 to 1000 people, I still treat people now. um, And I've never had anybody go to the hospital, I've taken two or three people out of the hospital, and I've never had anybody die. So, um, you know, and and you, you add that to the 2000 people that, you know, I quote, unquote, vaccinated, um, then, uh, according to the government, um, then, you know, that's 3000 plus people that not one person has died that I know of. I mean, they may, somebody may have died, you know, 87 year old woman or something, you know, died in a nursing home or something, but right. um, nobody, nobody has ever told me that, and, you know, anybody died from any of the interventions that we, that we did.
0: That's amazing. That's, that's wonderful. What do you, what, what would you advise to other doctors right now?
1: I think doctors,
0: do, do your research. Yeah.
1: Do your research. Don't take people's word for it. You know, have a little bit of, you know, critical thinking skills, you know, Mm -hmm. put your critical thinking cap on and, and, and instead of just, um, instead of just accepting somebody telling you that it's safe and effective, do your own research. Um, and, and, you know, get out of the textbooks, get into the, you know, get into the articles, get into the preprint stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens that, that doesn't get printed because the journals are corrupted too. Um, and the editors won't let it get past the, you know, the stage. I, um, I was just listening to a podcast. I, I wish I could remember who as I listened to so many of them. Um, I was saying that they, they put in for an article to be published um, and they went to, oh, you know what? It was Dr. Hazan uh, uh, Hazen, Dr. Sabine Hazen. She's a GI doc in California, Malibu. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she submitted a paper to a dozen different journals to get published and none of them n- none of them would publish it. Wow um, and she's a, she's multiply published it's not like
2: well, you know, was there... it's not
1: like it's her first publication no, no most of them didn't give her an answer they just said uh it's not something that we're going to that we're going to publish right now wow you know no reason no nothing just sorry um uh, it's uh we 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 don't have room for your article or you know it doesn't meet our criteria you know and when you try to push back on them say well what are the criteria that it doesn't meet they don't answer you so,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's um it's a it's a crazy time right now.
0: It, no, it really is. What would you advise doctors who have done research and are, uh, you know, coming to similar conclusions that you did, but maybe feeling a lot of pressure?
1: Stand up for it. Push back. We, you know, they 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 can pick us off one by one, mm-hmm. um, but if if we're you know if we're a consolidated force mm-hmm. of um, support and we support each other and we're out there and we're vocal, um, then there, there's no way that they can do that. So, right. um, you know, if we have 25% of our medical personnel that are saying no, um, saying, Hey, wait a minute, hold back, let's stop. Then, right. you know, they they would struggle if they shut us all down. Um, right. and, uh, you know, but one by one, you know, taking somebody's license away, you know, taking somebody's board certification away one at a time, uh, you know, taking their ability to kind of, you know, like what they tried to do with Ryan Cole in Idaho was, you know, kind of not allow his lab to be certified. And, right. you know, so now he can't bill insurance and, you know, I mean? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a crazy, um, the, 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 it, it's almost like a hypnosis, you know, I mean, there's all that hubbub about, uh, what was that called? The, um, uh, mass
0: formation psychosis. Mass
1: formation psychosis. They called yeah. it, and then they changed it to just mass formation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's this mentality, this group think mentality. Right. Um, and you know, I've you know, I, I've never been a group thinker. I mean, mm-hmm. I might be because of my profession. I'm kind of out all on my own anyway. Solo practice, mm-hmm. solo building. You know, kind of doing my own thing. Right. Um, I operate operate on my own facility and everything else, and so I you know kind of on my own as it is um but um you know we're supposed to be you know we're supposed to be pretty smart people and we're supposed to be able to read literature um and not just you well, know not just listen to what other people tell you right well that's what you that's what you and the lay people and and the public wants out of their physician they want somebody that's knowledgeable and somebody that's going to give them an informed opinion um, sure. and and nobody's doing that right now they're just giving you the opinion of you know, the, 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 Fauci's and the Burks and the Rochelle Walensky's and everybody else up there. Um, you know, it's crazy. I, I watched, uh, um, Mickey, uh, well, I watched Mickey Willis uh, movie too, but, mm-hmm. but I watched Del Tree mm-hmm. when he did, a when, when they published their VSafe data that they finally got from the federal mm-hmm. government. Um, and, and the reality was, is that in the spring of 21. So we're talking early, we're talking about, you know, March, you know, February, March, April of 2021. Um, The data that they were getting behind the scenes from their be safe data um, was, you know, millions of people that were struggling with these vaccines. Okay. And yet they're sitting here talking on camera and doing Mm -hmm. interviews While behind the you know behind the scenes it's a you know it's a five alarm fire um, trying to hire more employees to take the number you know twenty four hundred employees was what the company hired or whatever to take in the number of calls just the calls to fill out the paperwork okay of the number of calls that they were getting Um, and you know the the data was astonishing and yet their front face you know, behind them, everything is burning down. Okay. It's right, kind of like right. that guy on CNN said, Oh, it's mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. Uh, right. Mostly peaceful. And in the background, there's a building that's burning down. Right? right. So the, you know, the FDA and CDC is doing the same thing. They're talking to everybody. It's mostly peaceful. Um, and our, you know, everything's going just fine. But you know, the company that they outsource their, you know, complications to, to take incoming calls was hiring 2,400 employees just to handle the paperwork. Wow. So um yeah it it it's just astonishing to think that that was going on and it is because the data tells us that now
0: for sure and I want to get into that before before we do I wanted to ask you how did uh so how did the charges come about like how did they find out anything was going on
1: um so I I don't I don't I can't tell you exactly. I know how it happened, but I can't tell you because it's part of a protected um, uh, discovery, but, but ultimately what they did is they found out somehow. Um, and then they had two people call my office as, uh, under a sting operation. And one of them came in and got a card. So, so they had two federal agents call my office, call it, you know, call our vaccine clinic. Um, and one of them made an appointment and didn't show up. And then another one um, made an appointment, showed up, and just got a card. Wow. So,
0: so my question is so they're doing, clearly, this is evidence that they're doing federal sting operations. And you had just told me that to your knowledge, nobody has died as a result of your treatments. Uh, yeah. Most people fared very well and uh, recovered, you know, had good results, you know, medically speaking. Right right? Uh, we're now seeing, and we'll, we'll get into this, the results of the people who have taken these injections. Many have not fared so well. There's no sting operations, as far as I know, going <laughs> on uh, for, for these doctors uh, and nurses and clinics that have administered this. So wh- what are your thoughts as to what's behind all that? Why?
1: Oh, it's political. Mm-hmm. It's purely politics. Mm-hmm. It's purely, uh, it's purely control. They they want people in my position uh, to just follow their instructions and do what it is that they're told.
2: Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's all it is. It's tyranny. It's totalitarianism. Um, it's, you know, do your job and shut up or lose your job.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you say, that's, yeah, when, when you say it's political, uh, what do you mean by that? In what sense?
1: Um, meaning that there is no, um, it's, it's driving their agenda, um, of, you know, we, we want you we, the government want you to do what it is that you're told because we know better and we know what's best for you.
2: Um,
1: and if you don't do what you're told and you don't get a shot or you, you know, or you, you know, don't take this medication, um, then you can't work, you can't go shopping, you can't buy food. Um, you, you know, you, you're, you're, just, you know, that's, you're, you're not, you're, you're not a, um, uh, upstanding citizen of our society that we're looking to implement and to have, we want obedient, um, slaves, um, to do what it is that they're told. Um, that's what I mean by political. It's a, it's a much bigger agenda than just taking a shot. Um, um but it's the beginning. It's kind of like the mask. Okay. The psychology behind masks or the psychology behind the, the reason they did the masks, in my opinion, nobody's going to mm-hmm. tell you this. Okay. But in my opinion, the reason they did the masks is that the psychology and the studies in psychology will tell you that 90% of people that take the first step and listen to you and do something that they don't want to do, but are doing it for the benefit of somebody else or for the the common good. Mm -hmm. 90% of those people will take the next step.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So if you tell everybody to wear a mask, Mm -hmm. 90% of those people that do wear the mask, um, will do the next thing that you tell them to do, which is to take the shot. Right. Um, and that's, I think the numbers are pretty close. I think, um, you know, Almost everybody was wearing a mask. Okay, um, you know, I, I, it's funny. I still I went to Costco here yesterday, and um, there were still some people in Costco that were wearing masks. And you know, the place is packed, and mm-hmm. there are you know people still wearing these you know blue surgical masks. Um, but uh, you know, of the people that did wear masks. I, I think the numbers in the United States are, I mean, they're they're saying that at least 80% of our population took one shot. Wow. Okay. okay? I mean, I think that that's what the numbers are. I mean, we're 330 million people in the United States. Some of them weren't eligible because some of them were kids and everything else. But um, I, I, I want to say there were 250 to 270 million people that took, you know, that took a shot. Really?
0: Yeah. Do you believe... Do you believe
1: those numbers? Do you think it's no? That- <laughs> I think there's. I think there's. I think there's other people that are out there that are like me that haven't gotten caught. Um, right. I don't know how many. Um, I also think. Look, I know people that have bought cards. I know people that have. Uh, you know. Get, you know. Gotten them online. I know people that falsified them. I know people that kind of printed their own. Okay. Um, and you know. And so there's. You know, some people that managed to get around it, and those people probably are on the roster of having you know, been registered as having gotten a shot. So no, I don't think it's quite as high as what they say it is. Right. But it's, um, but it's probably 65,
0: 70%. Wow. What do you think we're going to see? I, I mean, I know, I, we we know the results aren't good, but what do you think we're going to see in the future um, as a result of, that's a, it's a pretty high percentage. Yeah. Not as high as like so, Israel, but it's, it's high.
1: So I think we're going to see, um, a, I, I don't know that it's going to be like a wave. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see, um, a significant loss in, um, uh, or a significantly higher mortality. I think our baseline, I mean, it, it, I, I want to say the numbers in the United States, uh, where about a million people a year were dying. Um, and you know, that was the average that we were seeing, no, sorry, 3 million people. So 3 million people, about 1% of our population was dying every year. Okay. Um, And that was, those are the numbers, you know, 1% of our population for the last 20 years. Um, Wow. I think we're going to see a significant increase in, and that's called, it's called something called all-cause mortality. Right. Okay. Okay. and so, you know, 1% of our population is going to die. I think we're going to see a significant increase in that. And it's not just going to be a little blip and then come back down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I think we're going to see that, it, it, you know, we're actually going to start seeing our population um, numbers, you know, kind of come down from the 330, 340 million people that are in the United States. I think over the course of the next 20 years, um, uh, well, uh, you know, I I I don't know the numbers, but you you read people's models and you look at what's going to happen. Some people say that um, that we're going to see about 50 to 70 percent of our, you know, decrease, you know, decrease in total population in the United States and worldwide. Um, Some people say that that's what they what they wanted and that it's purposeful. You Mm -hmm. know, the Georgia Guidestones that, you know, kind of like all of a sudden kind of blew up also said that, you know, the population was going to be decreased to 500 million people um yeah. and and then and then that got blown up too um mm-hmm. so it, it, there's just you know it, there's just a lot of stuff going on that um just doesn't make any sense uh you know all of their food sources and chicken farms and uh feed uh feed grain silos and storage facilities all of a sudden getting blown up and going up in smoke and Um, You know, you never had any of these. And I think I saw something, this was six months ago now, but we'd had as many fires in our food storage facilities um, in the the last six months of 22 and the first month of 23 uh, than we'd had in the previous 20 years. Crazy. yeah and and it's you know and again i don't have I, I don't have time to study all of that and look into sure. it but that, that was an amazing statistic to me was you know the number of places that had blown up just you know just in the last 6 months was you know an astonishing number so
0: yeah for sure um, so my, my question is twofold do, i'm wondering if you have thoughts on do you think like like you mentioned the georgian Guidestone? do you think that that is their goal um, and then my other question is because you were talking about how you think it might be something like sixty five percent and we're talking about this all all cause mortality rates uh increasing over you know the next uh, several years and decades. Do you think we're gonna see uh i i guess just problems in the infrastructure because it seems like there are certain people who are more likely to have taken it than others right
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: um So, uh, it's hard. Mm -hmm. I'll take, I'll take the the stance that Michael Yeadon takes. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, it is hard to look at all the science and data that's out there and everything that we see and everything that we read and everything that we hear, Mm -hmm. um, and, and not ascribe it to some nefarious objective. It's just you you take you take everything that's happened and you put it all in order, and you look at everything and look at how it's happening and you look at what it is that they're doing and all the corners that have been cut and all the shortcuts that they took and everything that's being done and 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 all that. um it's it's hard to imagine that it was all just a coincidence right. um. And it's really, a, it, it, it's just, it's scary and it's astonishing and, and astounding to me that there aren't more people out there that, that are not being, you know, not able to kind of read the tea leaves. It's not even, it's not even being a tea leaf reader anymore. It's just being a human being and looking at actual data and science. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy to me that people don't see it. Um, and then uh, I forgot your second question.
0: Oh, uh, the, the infrastructure. You know, it does seem like there are certain people who are more likely to have taken it because of the the pressures they would be under. You know, like for instance, the medical community, uh, the pilots, you know, people who were the military, the people who were uh, required, mandated. Um, you know, so it's certain people I think were more likely to have taken it than others. And if uh, the results are going to show us all, all cause mortality rates, uh, you know that are predicted. Uh, I would think that's going to be incredibly problematic for our infrastructure.
1: <laughs> yeah. I again, I think it's people playing god. I think it's people thinking that artificial intelligence is going to be able to substitute for um, the the human, um, you know, the human workload. Um, and and they, you know, Noel, Noel Yuri you no, or You all know Harari, Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he thinks that, you know, the human brain can be hacked completely. Yeah. And he says um, it all the time. And that, yep. Yeah, and, and it's a good says, thing. I, right. And it's a good thing. And, you know, and so if we can hack the humans then we can tell them what to do and when to do it and exactly, how, you know, what needs to be done. And so we don't need as many, you know, use. I mean, he, I think he's even heard, I think he's even said it in one of his podcasts was, that we have too many useless eaters on this earth. Um, and, and it's hard to imagine, again, how much influence does he have? How much world economic forum, you know, influence have, you know, we don't really know the extent Mm -hmm. of that and who is the, you know, we always kind of throw around this word, they, and them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who are they and, and, and and them, we don't, you know, necessarily know, um, there's, you know, suppositions and, you know, inferences and, uh, you know, some people will say, you know, it's the. Club of Rome or, um, the committee of 300 or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of stuff out there, but most of these people go nameless and faceless. Um, but with everything that's happening and everything that we're seeing and the coordinated efforts of all of the governments across the world and what they've done over the last three years, um, you've just never seen anything like this before. Right. Um There is, you know, World War One. Not I. of this
0: magnitude. Yeah.
1: No, 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 not. no. I mean, everybody fell in line. Uh, and if they didn't fall in line on the masks like Sweden and Finland didn't, then they fell in line on the vaccine. Right. Um, and, you know, there's just there's a few little outliers here and there. You know, the Scandinavian countries are not doing the vaccine anymore. You know, is that, you know, too little, too late? What's the population mm-hmm. of their you know mm-hmm. uh, what what's their population versus the population of western europe the population of you know africa didn't fall in line just because they didn't have the infrastructure to be able to institute it but or uh, implement it um but united states you know south america central america north america with canada involved and you know and everything else i mean it's just it's crazy the um extent of the uh, let's call it mass formation if you you know mm-hmm. if we want to believe in that
0: right No, it is really, really crazy. Um, Yeah, I I guess, so they think that it's, so your theory is they just think it's going to be machines that take over. So for instance, take the pilots, because I I do see a huge pilot shortage already. Um, And we're seeing all sorts of what look like could be cover-ups for pilot problems. Uh, You know, we're seeing a lot of delays and cancellations with airlines. And uh, we do know that, the pilots were mandated by most airlines and that, you know, you're already at risk for blood clots when you're up in the air. And then we know that these in, enhance your risks for clots. So, uh, so they think that AI is going to control an airplane. Is that kind of the
1: idea? Well, I mean, we're going to go into the, we're going you know, we're going to go into the George Jetsons, you know, where you don't, okay. you don't need a pilot anymore. You just have automated flight. Right. Um, and, you know, we're not going to need air traffic controllers because it's all going to be controlled by computers. And, um, um, you know, that's, I, again, I, I'm yeah. not part of that. I, right, I don't right. have a lot of knowledge, but that's on the, on the cursory side of it, looking, you know, looking sure. down on it. I think that that's where they're, you know, where they're going. That's what their mentality is, is that we don't need as many people as we have on, on the earth. Um, and uh, we can do a lot of these jobs, you know, they can all be automated. Um, and if we have a lot fewer people on Earth to feed and to house, um, then, uh, you know, we won't have as many problems in our society uh, and they'll be more easily controlled.
2: How
0: do you are your, your kids uh, aware of what's going on, the charges you face, the, the choices you made, what happened um, and the bigger context of what you've learned and what's going on in the world? Are, are your kids, how much do they know?
1: Oh, no, they're very involved. I mean, I, I spent 12 days in jail and I'm at home now with an ankle bracelet on on house arrest, so nice. it's I, I can't hide it from my two kids. My daughter uh, just finished her sophomore year in college um, and came home and has been living here at the house now. Um, and then I have a 15-year-old son. Um, and, uh, you know, so they're they very well-informed. Um, my daughter has, uh, you know, coming out of high school, uh, you know, having the kind of the traditional high school education and mm-hmm. everything came out, you know, somewhat liberal. Um, right. but, but knowing who dad was, and mm-hmm. I've never been, never been shy about telling them my, you know, my opinions about anything. I'm a political science major from college. So oh, wow. I, you know, so I, you know, I have a political science background and it's something You're that's You're a political science me. major
0: here and you became a plastic surgeon.
1: Yeah. How did that even happen? But then I want to hear well, about your daughter, but. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, it it, it just, uh, I didn't just want to be just a science geek. And mm-hmm. so I I grew up overseas. My dad was in the Air Force. I had a lot of experience kind of in other countries. I was born in France. I grew up in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. I've traveled to Pakistan. I've traveled to Bolivia. I've traveled to Somalia um, and spent time there, you know, like three weeks in each place. Um and so I've had a lot of, you know, world, you know, worldly experience and I've had a lot of ability, you know, not ability, but a lot of opportunity to mm-hmm. um, kind of take in other cultures and, and, and just see them. And I was a teenage kid, so it wasn't like I did it when I was four or five. Right. right. Um, so I was, you know, I hated it because I was, I wanted to be home with my kids, you know, with my friends playing and <laughs> riding bikes and getting on motorcycles and doing all the mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, all these kids did. But, um, you know, hindsight, is 2020 and it was probably the best experience for me. Um and uh, you know, so yeah, so I'm not I'm not shy about my opinions, never have been. My kids mm-hmm. know. My son has always been very conservative. Um with the whole 21 uh fiasco, I actually sent him to Switzerland for school because I didn't want him to be here in the US. I didn't want him to go to um the school here was gonna make him wear a mask again. Um and and I and he You know, he didn't do well the second half of the So 20, so 2020, 2021. So that school year, that academic year, um, he spent that last half of that year, all of 21 at home because he just couldn't wear a mask. Um, So then uh, two weeks before school started, um, the uh, headmaster of the school uh, called me and said, hey, we're going to make kids wear masks again. I said, okay well, I want my money back because it was a private school here, too. Um, and, uh, and then I scrambled trying to find him a place. We found him a place in Switzerland and, uh, he went over there and then halfway through the year there, they started making him wear masks too again. Um, but, but they were very, it wasn't as strict. It was very lenient. Um, and, uh, anyway, um, but you know, it was, so he, he knows full well and good and his best friend over there. (laughs) was a huge Donald Trump fan. Um, and so he, and, uh, you know, without being political, I, you know, I don't know what to think about Trump necessarily either, but, um, the, uh, the, the two of them just kind of hit it off. And so they were just two peas in a pod, you -hmm. know, in in school over there for a whole year. And he's been over here to visit and, uh, and everything. But, um, my daughter was a little bit more on the, you know, kind of center left side. Um, Mm -hmm you know, walked around in high school wearing a social justice sweater just because it was the cool thing to do. And um, you know, but she knew where I stood on it. And we had a lot of very uh I I won't even say heated discussions, but we just had a lot of very um educative, you know, kind of like discussions and 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 and, pro um I don't know how to explain it. We we just talked about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we and I gave her my opinion and she took it in. I listened to hers. And she went to college and even though she went to a very liberal and generally most colleges are very liberal anyway, um, she came out of there and, and now realizes that, Hey dad, I think you were right. And so now she's looking for something else to do for the next two years um, because she doesn't want to go back there. So, um, uh, and then seeing what's happened to me, uh, you know, and all of the, um, just all the, crazy stuff that's going on with me and everything else and how they're trying to just use me as an example and trying to right. um, you know, throw me in jail for up to fifteen years because I save people's lives. Um and you know, I have a, I on the other end of the spectrum I have a friend of mine who says that he thinks that they're gonna drop the case before November because all the science and data that's coming out. Um, I, I I'd like to believe him Yeah, that'd <laughs> but, be I mean, great. He he doesn't have any, you know, he doesn't have any knowledge or anything, but, um, I've also heard on the other end that, you know, they're trying to seriously look at me as an example and try to, you know, you know, put me up on a pedestal and say, Hey, look, this is what happens. If you, this is, if, if you decide to buck the system and do what it is that you think is right. And, um, and you try to treat your patients the way they needed to be treated and you abide by the medical code of ethics, you know, the American medical association code of ethics says that what, they claim that I did is perfectly, you know, it it is what I should do as a physician. If I have patients that come to me
2: and
1: don't want to get a certain treatment, and I believe that the treatment is harmful to them and we agree on the treatment, then Mm -hmm. I have two options or I have two things that I need to do. One is I need to try to change the law that is holding them back from, or, you know, that is putting us, in jeopardy of violating right. the law, I need to try to change that law, which I did. And I, I went to, I went to city hall and, mm-hmm. I, you know, I told you I'm a political science guy. So right. I went down there and I, and I attended hearings and I spoke at hearings and I, you know, committee hearings and I, and, and tried to get laws passed and I did, and we got them passed. Um, so I, I did do that. And then the second thing they say that, that you have to do as as a physician is your code of ethics requires you to treat your patients the way they wanted to be treated. Right. Um, even if it violates the law. And so um, if I violated the law by treating my Does patients. Does it say people, that even if
0: it violates the law?
1: The American Code of Ethics, the American Medical Association Code of Ethics says that. Yes.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, it's not a statute and it's not a law, but, right. you know, so so in all the, so in other words, I should have the AMA fully behind me with all of their might and power and money, you know, should be supporting what it is that I did. Right. Because their code of ethics states that I did exactly what I was supposed to do according to your code of ethics. Right. Um, And uh, you know, and yet where are they? Right. They're not banging down my door to help me support my financial struggles. So.
0: Right. Um, So what do you think people in general, because I think people are feeling very demoralized, which I think is part of the, goal what do you think people can do uh you know i know you said doctors should stand do research and they should stand up um but what about you know the people in general i think
1: i think everybody should i think everybody should mm-hmm. stand for their you know and stand by their own ethics and morals and mm-hmm. and realize that if they know that this is wrong then don't let somebody do it to them um you know I, and i'm always of that opinion i i you know i was just kind of like you know Oracle or not Oracle, the company that's down here, there's a big company or tech company. They were requiring people to be vaccinated, um, to go to work. Um, and I was just like, you know what, if half of you people that they're trying to get you to vaccinate and you don't want to get vaccinated, don't go to work or quit your job. They're not going to have a company anymore, you know, but everybody looks at it from an individual perspective and everybody, and I'm not a big kind of, a uh, you know, labor union kind of guy, right? I mean, it's, you know, labor unions have their role and they can certainly help in certain scenarios. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the pendulum swung for decades, it swung way over to, you know, like you see it with the teachers union where, you know, they're, they're not involved in teaching anymore. They're just involved in figuring out how it is that they can, you know, they can just kind of plow through the system and, and, and get through it for 20 years and get a, you know, and, 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 and get their retirement.
2: Yep. Um, it doesn't
1: matter what doesn't matter what you're teaching the kids. It doesn't matter what the results are. It doesn't matter whether they're doing better on exams or scores or going to better schools or, you know, or, or achieving higher, you know, educational standards that, that, that is irrelevant. It's just right. what's relevant is whether I can keep my job for the next 20, 25 years and then get my retirement pay. Um, and so I'm, I'm not a big, you know, uh, a big proponent of labor unions, but when you stand, when you, when you stand up alone, it's hard to do because like Heard. I said earlier, they're just going to pick you off. Yeah. You know, if, if, if they decide to pick me off, then it's an example to other people. Hey, don't fuck the system because look, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, they, they, you know, they tried it. I mean, they've tried it with Peter McCullough and he fought back and won. They tried it with Ryan Cole and he fought back and won. They fought, they fought, they, they did it with Paul Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Henson in Texas, you know, and, and no, any number of docs, you know, there's all right. kinds of us that are out there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, but if we were able to kind of lock arms and, and be, you know, and, and had an organization like the AMA that would do their job <laughs> in terms of, and, and not be another captured entity that gets the majority of their money from the pharmaceutical organization. Right. Um, you know, if if they got ju- if they lived on just the dues that they had from if they lived out for the benefit of the physicians, then the physicians would join the AMA mm-hmm. um, and they would pay them their dues and they would, you know, and, and be happy to do it. I've never joined the AMA. Um, I'm, I, you know, because they don't really look out for me. Right. You know, they're and, and I I venture to say that there's less than 20 percent of physicians that are out there that actually are AMA members. It's crazy. You know, you think of the American Medical Association, right? This American Medical Association, this large association that is, you know, kind of like represents, I don't know, 250,000 physicians across the country or whatever the number is, Mm -hmm. the number of physicians that we have. They don't. They represent 10% of that. Wow. So so they don't get their money from dues because they don't. So they don't look at it that way that if they were to do their job and they were applying their political power and – their financial power and their, and everything else in the proper way, they would get more people to, you know, support them and more people to join and more people to pay their dues instead. No, they just keep doing what it is that they're doing. And then they take money from, you know, these outside organizations, the mainstream media, they take money from, you know, your, your foundations that are out there without making you know, without naming anybody um, by the pharmaceutical organizations and everything else. Um, You know, Joe Rogan on one of his podcasts, um, pulled it up was either with um, uh, the one that he did with um, Peter McCullough or the one he did with Robert Malone, where um, he looked at the number of the amount of money that the or, that the pharmaceutical companies paid the mainstream media was seventy percent. So seventy percent of the mainstream media gets their money from Big Pharma. So what kind of information are you getting? You know, you know that it's biased and and yeah. and, and uh, you know and it's not going to be the truthful stuff that you expect that you're meeting, but people don't know that because it's not disclosed. Right.
0: Right. What do you see for the future? Do you think they're going to, do you think they have other vaccines in store? Do you think they're going to try another uh, pandemic? (laughs) What what do you see for the
1: future? Well, I see, I see all of the above. Um, I think, um, I want to say, I heard somebody, uh, in one of my podcasts or something say that they've got 50 MRNA vaccines that are ready to go. Um, so they're changing the technology now and they're going and all of their vaccines are going to be MRNA vaccines. And that's only going to accelerate the morbidity mortality that we're seeing. Not everybody's going to die. Um, but you know, Ed Dowd wrote a great book and he's put out a bunch of publications, um, and you know he has a lot of great data and information about the not, not just the mortality but the the disability claims. Um, and you know we have we have about a hundred million people that work in the United States, okay?
2: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you have three point five million that are on disability, that's three and a half percent of your workforce that is right. never going to go back to work again. And if that number, all it does is continue to get bigger because of all the medications and vaccines and everything else that they're that they're giving us and requiring of us, right. um, you know, how is that going to help us? How is that going to get us out of you know the situation that we're currently in, which is a whole different discussion,
0: <laughs> right? Right? No, it's a it's a, it's problematic. Very concerning. Very concerning. Do you think that the next time around, that if that they do try to roll out more M- mRNA, uh, if they roll out some sort of other, you know, pandemic, Bill Gates keeps saying, you know, the next time, um, do you think that we're going to have a similar response or do you think this time more people will say no?
1: Oh, no. I think that there's going to be a much bigger pushback. Um, I don't know what the numbers will be, but it'll be much bigger than what it was. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I the, it, you know, we see a lot of encouraging signs. Um, you know, you start seeing some journals starting to publish some information. You start seeing, um, you, you know, you start seeing some people getting out and talking about it. You start seeing some, you know, bigger conferences with a lot more, you know, the, a lot more attendance. Um, and uh, you know, it, I I think that uh, you know they've already tried. They tried monkeypox, which went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they they tried the. Um, uh, Marburg thing mm-hmm. in Papua New Guinea, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and that went nowhere. Yeah, um, you know, I, I just, I think you're going to get, you know, a lot more pushback. Um, but these, these guys are smart, you know, and they're patient. Um, and yeah, um, and a lot of them are like, even if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, then you know, it'll happen in my kids or my grandkids' lifetime or something. And so they're, um, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's. You know, it, it's just crazy to think about it. Um, I've gotten to the point for me that I almost don't believe anything that anybody tells me anymore. And, I'm, and I seriously go back and read through history um, with a different perspective and mm-hmm. try to get outside of the kind of traditional narrative that you know the mainstream media or our even our education has given us um over the last you know i mean i'm 58 years old so over the last you know 48 years um mm. but um you know world war 1 wasn't what it's they said it was the spanish flu wasn't what they said it was uh world war 2 is not necessarily what they said it was um our financial system is not what they tell us what it is um, you know nothing Nothing about you know your traditional educational understanding of mm-hmm. any of what we have been told that we know. I'm in a little bit of a Twitter spat with this lady on on science, um, and all I keep doing is asking her. You know, she's like, "Well, um, uh, chicken pox exists." I'm like, "Okay," and you know that. And she says, "Chicken pox exists because just last summer." Um, my eight year old was at a party and everybody at that party got chicken pox and therefore it exists. Um, and so I'm just kind of like, okay. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, well give me some science behind that. That's an anecdotal story. And I'm sorry that, you know, all all eight of your kids, I'm just kind of glad that all eight of your kids got something that they may now be immune to for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, how do you know that it was chicken pox virus? And I, and again, I'm not taking the position that viruses exist or don't exist, but there's a, there's a cadre of physicians and scientists that are very well respected or used to be very well respected, mm-hmm. but no longer, because now they've been canceled and you know, mm-hmm. they're just, you know, they're, they're just, and now these people are legitimately anti-science people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because their claim is, is that viruses don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when I, and this is same thing, right? So, this COVID thing Uh, in March of 20, March of 2020, it existed and I closed my office down and, you know, I'm scared and I'm worried and I Mm -hmm. do my own research and I'm like, okay, it's just a bunch of crap. So now I'm kind of like, now I'm going down this rabbit hole. Right. um, Do viruses, do viruses even exist? Right. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm, but I'm not somebody now, 10 year, five years, four years ago, if some, even three years ago in 2020, when all this stuff happened, if somebody would have come to me and said, Hey, do you know that COVID is fake, but also all viruses are fake? I would have said, okay, uh, <laughs> no. And no, you are absolutely crazy. Get out of my yeah. life. I never want to talk to you again. You're, you know, you're nuts. All
2: mm-hmm. now
1: I'm kind of like, you know, and I'm kind of like, well, I know that COVID didn't exist. And I know that it was all fake. Um, or, I, wait a minute. I don't necessarily know COVID itself, the, the, the pandemic didn't exist, the pandemic. Okay. Right. Um, but did the virus exist? Well, now I'm kind of like, you know, does it right. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to people like Tom Cowan and Andy Kaufman and Stefan, uh, Stefan Blanca um, orlanka and, and Stefano Scoglio and, and all these, you know, very well-respected scientists there and yeah. very well-published and, and, you know, um, and, and very, you know, kind of, they're like you and me, you know, they're Mm -hmm. regular people, right? And they just have a different opinion. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to listen to your opinion. So Mm -hmm. tell me. And so they go through all this stuff and they say, hey, you know, nothing has ever, no virus has ever been grown except in a viral culture. And what is a viral culture? And then they go through and tell you everything that's in this viral culture. Um, And uh, anyway, it's just, you know, like I said, I I just go back and I'm just kind of like, I really now I question Almost everything that, we, that we've that we ever seen and taught. You go back and you look on those books that you have up on that rack behind mm-hmm. you that have all been these educational books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, I look at those things now with a very... Cynical, skeptical. Well, you know, these eye. books are typically not taught in school, but <laughs> well, no. But my point being is that you know I'm just looking at it as a library. I can't read the names of yeah, the books yeah. back there, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just kind of like the typical book rack that right, you see anywhere. Right. You're kind of like, okay, this is you know this. A is lot what of these you, are in you know, the this.
0: cryptid history realm, but yeah.
1: There, <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. So, um. um
0: yeah, the the virus uh, debate is very very interesting. I haven't talked to uh, Dr. Cowan or uh, Dr. Lenka. I would really, in particular, love to talk to Dr. Dr. Lenka just because of my particular birth story. Um, I have talked to Dr. Kaufman, and he's a very he he's brilliant, and he has a, he's a very like rational kind of uh, demeanor. Right. You know, it's a very he comes from a very logical. Whether you agree with right. his perspective or not, it's not. Um, it's not contentious, it's not uh, pedantic, it's a very, uh, he's really coming from, and he always says this, he's not arguing what they are, he's just saying, he's putting the burden of proof on them, because he's saying that the evidence isn't substantiated. Um, But Dr. Lenka, I would really love to talk to you because his case was uh, surrounding German measles. That was the Supreme Court case that he uh, took on. And uh, my birth story is uh, predicated on German measles. My mom, uh, as the story goes, my mom had German measles during first trimester pregnancy. Um, They actually read the titer incorrectly. And and again, if you uh, subscribe to their narrative, titers are not real. Um, But Just for the sake of the story, he read the titer as being 112. He was dyslexic, and the titer was actually 121. And uh, if they had read it correctly, my mom would have aborted me. But because he was dyslexic and read it incorrectly... Um, I, I was born, he saved my life. Right. Um, but I was, uh, born with several complications. I'm blind when I had a cataract, uh, when I was first born, I'm hearing impaired. I wear bilateral hearing aids. I didn't get hearing aids until I was almost six years old. I learned how to speak by reading lips. I had heart surgery when I was one years old. Um, I was vi- born with like a hypotonic limb, fine graphic motor impairment, uh, stunted growth. They actually told my mom the best she could hope is to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. So... <laughs> I've, uh, I've talked to Dr. Kaufman. And of course, he doesn't uh, believe that it was uh, that I was born congenital rubella or that it was a virus that caused those complications. But of course, that begs the question, then what did? So right. all this just to say, I would really love to talk to him because that's a it's a very hard uh, one for me to wrap my head around because obviously there's cognitive dissonance involved. But I will say this, I think it's fascinating. And one of the things that this you kind of allude to with your questioning everything and all the narratives that we've been, we've taken for granted for so long, uh, is that viruses, at least from what we're taught, are submicroscopic. Now you would know this better than I Mm -hmm. with your training, uh, but they're submicroscopic. And so therefore we're dealing with theoretical models. And I think it's very fascinating that people on both sides of this debate are so adamant and so certain that they have the answer regarding something that is predicated on a theoretical model on both sides. So right. that's kind of why I really do love Kaufman's approach, because he's not saying, he's not claiming to have an answer. He's really just looking for right. he's putting the burden of proof on them to, you know, sure up their argument. So I, I can respect that. And I, I agree. I think we need more evidence. I think, you know, there's just definitely holes and there's many questions uh, there. But it's a it take, took me a long time to even like warm up to the conversation just because of my personal history. So,
1: yeah, no, I I mean, and um, like I said, three years ago, somebody would have come to me and and uh, without listening to what it is that they're saying and just reading yeah. a statement or right. um, or or even somebody coming out and saying, hey, viruses just don't exist, you know, like, right. um uh, like Alex Zep does, yeah. Know. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, he's he's uh, obviously very committed, and very, mm-hmm. you know, and and very convinced, and yeah. um, uh, I get it. Um, but if they would have come to me three, four years ago, five years ago, twenty years ago, I would have just said, "You guys are nuts," you know. <laughs> um, but now, seeing what has happened just right. over the course of the last three years, um, three plus years, three and a half almost now. Um, I'm just I, I'm I'm so um, disillusioned with our you know just the whole scenario, the whole system, the whole situation, uh, the whole environment. That uh, I'm open to anybody telling me anything, and and until um, you know, and and until I can look at it and at least prove it in my own opinion, right. what's right or wrong. I'm I'm not going to necessarily take somebody's you know somebody else's um, answers for it. You know, I, a friend of mine tells me, don't read anything that you don't, don't believe anything that you read and only half of what you see. Um, and you know, and it's, that's, I take that to heart right now because, um, it's, it's true. I, you just, the stuff that you read and the articles that you, that come out, you've got to confirm them and you got to figure out those, the statements that they're making that, uh, are they true? And, um, you know, and you used to not have to do that. Now it's you know, you read an article about something, you're kind of like, Oh God, now here I, I I don't really believe this, but now it's gonna take me another forty-five minutes just to, you know, just to understand whether it's true or not. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a mountain climb every time anybody makes a statement to you. So it's it's it, you know, it's disconcerting because you can't trust anybody anymore. Right, right. How? So you have to figure out who the people are you can't trust.
0: Yeah, and uh, how, how do you do that? What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I just, uh, if I can, if what they tell me is the truth um, and they do it more than once, then I'll tend to believe them, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's kind of like a con man can, you know, can, can come oh. at you and can give you, you know, he can, he can fool you once. Right. right? Um, but what's that? I can't remember that saying. Fool, fool, fool you once,
0: uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah,
1: right. I um, remember.
0: But third one, third one's.
1: Yeah, third one a, you're the, out. Yeah. A third one's the
2: charm, right?
1: And third yeah.
0: one doesn't. Um, but
1: yeah. So just uh, you so vet people. Oh, yeah. No, I have to. I've kind of forgot our train of thought there for a minute. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I, um, I was just
0: asking, how do you no. know who you can
1: trust? Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I think know, people again, are struggling with that. I think, you know, it is one of their goals to, you were talking about the uh, transhuman agenda. And I think part of their goals is to dehumanize us. And one of the ways they do that is to isolate us and separate us, atomize us. And right. uh, so, you know, a great way to do that is to create uh, mistrust. Amongst each other,
1: because then we're fighting
0: each other as opposed to working together.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're not going to if you don't, you know, if you don't know what your neighbors think about you and what it is that they're doing, then you're not going to go to them to, you know, kind of recruit them for help or anything. You know, it it Mm -hmm. becomes a harder thing, especially if um you know, if you're so polarized that you're right. worried about what the, the repercussions are going to be, if you happen to not agree with what their opinion is, people then tend to just keep their mouth shut.
0: Exactly.
1: So.
0: Yeah. So you have said that you have no regrets, um, which I, I think is amazing. And I wish more people would take a stand. But I think it's, you know, really unfortunate that you're facing the circumstances that you are. And I... I wonder how, like, how do you feel about what if hopefully they do drop everything, right? You were saying that you had spoken to someone who says that they might just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that would be great. But what if the if worst case scenario happened? Um, how do you feel like you'll face that, handle that? What will you, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I, you know. I I I don't have any regrets. I I I just I could never sleep with myself knowing that the intervention that I had given somebody was not only harmful but and and preventable. But that um what I was doing was purposely hurting somebody or I I had not done my own research to Um, to make sure that what I was doing was not going to hurt them. That's, you know, that's just me. Um, And I, you know, I I feel more ashamed of myself trying to, you know, trying to justify that than I would um, being, you know, being convicted of having done the right thing. Right. So um, I'm convinced, I won't speak for the rest of the, you know, all four sure. of us, but I'm convinced that, you know, that I did the right thing, uh, that I abided by my oath, um, mm-hmm. and that um, I took care of my patients according to a, you know, a, a medical um, philosophy that was, um, you know, first do no harm and uh, treating them according to the, for the way that they wanted to be treated. Right. Um, and if that's um, going to be determined by our government to be um, a, you know, uh, an infraction worthy of putting me in jail, then um, I'll, I guess I'll have to accept that.
0: Yeah. I, the, the integrity is just, I wish... I wish everybody had that kind of courage and integrity because I think we would be in a very different position today if a lot more people stood up. So thank you. Um, what if, uh, I was going to ask, um, I was going to ask you, I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, am just very, I I'm very moved and just very saddened by this whole state of affairs. Um, But if uh, I guess I was going to say that if uh, I don't know, I totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) So you you said there four of you. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Uh, How are your? um, Have you received a lot of like feedback from you know your patients and community uh, people who you did give these treatments to? Do they know what's happening?
1: Um. Yes. So, um, we, you know, I had some friends, we put up a website that's, you know, standformore.com, Um, all spelled out. Um, and we have a Gibson go, you know, donation link on the website. Um, but, uh, our feedback, uh, my batteries are, are going to die on my headphones.
2: Okay.
1: Um, our, our feedback is, um, been tremendously supportive it's 90 to one <laughs> um Good. and uh you know we're we're struggling we're struggling raising funds mm-hmm. um you know a lot of people just you know they support us but don't have a lot of discretionary income to be able to kind of you know send us you know send us money i mean we've gotten over a hundred thousand dollars but our legal fees have exceeded you know three hundred four hundred thousand already so um wow. it's been a big financial burden against all of us. Um, And, um, you know, but it's, you know, the support we get is tremendous. Uh, people write us letters. They stop by the office, they call us, they leave us voicemails. Um, anytime an article gets published about us, the, um, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it, in, I mean, you can go back and look at it back in January, February when, you know, it was put out on Twitter. Um, it, it was, you know, nothing but hero, 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 you know, Dr Moore for president, you know um, yeah. whatever you, you, you name it um yeah. and you know occasionally somebody would come up well you know he uh, he committed fraud so he should go to jail uh you know whatever but uh the the numbers are you know ninety nine to one um in support of us uh, and um so it's been that that keeps us going
0: yeah. So- that that's wonderful to hear. I'm so glad that you're getting support. Well, I know your your headphones are gonna die, so let's uh wrap up. But <laughs> but please tell everybody where they can go. I'll post the link as well, but for those who are listening, okay. uh tell them where they can uh, find your gives and go, where they can find more information about you and support you.
1: Okay. Yeah, so it's stand for more, just all spelled out s t-a-n-d-f-o-r-m-o-o-r-e uh, com, And it has a link. I think it's in the top right corner for a Gibson go, or you can go to Gibson go uh, and just type in fight for more with the number four. Um, so fight for more at the Gibson go website or standformore.com.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I wish you the best and uh, keep fighting the good fight. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're, you're taking a stand. We, we really do need more people to do it. Yeah. Hopefully well, thanks, next Courtney, time. I appreciate yeah. you having
1: me on. Oh, um, and I'm happy to come on anytime. I'll give you an update. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, nothing's been happening, but um, okay. I'll have Tina keep in touch with you. Okay, I would love that.
0: Me. Yeah, I'd love to hear what's okay. going on, and hopefully, ho- hopefully, there's uh, there'll be some justice because, I, you know, from my perspective, this looks like genocide. So for them to <laughs> turn this, I mean, what they did to me looks like a criminal operation. You know, to do a sting operation is not exactly the most transparent honest ethical thing to do and uh, to to do that to somebody who's literally saving lives when you know they're arguably killing them based on results you know that's not a uh, uh, i'm not making an allegation that's just the results don't look so good so right. um yeah so i i'm yeah i, I i'm well, just a good
1: friend, <laughs> like, of mine, you know? good friend of mine a good friend of mine put it this way he said uh, you know, Kirk, you and your co-defendants are being indicted and prosecuted for not maiming and killing people.
2: Yeah, so that's, that's a great way right. to put it. I mean,
1: we...
2: Basically, <laughs> so, yeah, right? wow, so that, that's a great way to put him. it. There are,
1: no, there are no victims. You know, our, our system of justice is built on victims. There are no victims in this case. And they're going after, um, you know, uh, four people that you know, abided by their oath um, and took their patients' concerns seriously and treated everybody according to the way that they wanted to be treated. Um, and if we get prosecuted and thrown in jail for just that alone, what kind of a system do we live in?
0: Seriously, seriously. Well, I uh, I really, I hope and pray for justice. So, and uh, okay. yeah, for you and your family. Thank you so much. And yes, yeah, let's stay in touch. Right. Keep me updated. I appreciate it. Thanks, Courtney. bye okay. right, Bye-bye.